All cases covered in our podcast are based solely on research and opinion and do not reflect or confirm any involvement of suspects or police. We treat these with the utmost respect and do not intend to cause the victims or their family members any harm. Due to the nature of the crimes we cover, listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Danny. And this is Kim. And today, your favorite pair of Latinas are covering a, not a specific case per se, but just a whole theme that is unacceptable. Um, And I felt like I really wanted to read into this and bring some light to it in our little channel. So today we are going to be talking about missing and murdered Indigenous women, which is a lot. So let me just say my blood boiled a little bit when I read into this, and there's still a lot more research to be done, and so many more steps that have to be taken in general to fix this problem. Um, But I just wanted to share my piece today, and we could discuss it, you know, and and hopefully you guys learn something from today's episode. Let's do it. It's actually a very um, very sad. Very, very sad. Very much ignored. Yeah. And the reason that I said unacceptable is because in multiple articles that I read, it just kept stating the fact that no one knows exactly how many of them go missing and are murdered Uh because there's such a big gap in crime data. Now, in general, I took a a homicide course, of course, (laughs) and um, one of the chapters talked about crime data. So how, you know, these different agencies collect all this information and already normally for cases that get a lot more attention in the media, there's still so many gaps because so many things go, they don't go reported. So imagine this, there's just such a huge gap that it's, they're basically invisible in those databases. And that's totally not fair. Um, and it's a whole set of people. It's a whole kind of population that go missing. And then why does no one look? Why aren't people with the money and the power to do it, not doing anything about it? That's like the most frustrating part. Yeah, I think, it, but that goes back to like the whole history of in, indigenous communities and how they've always been treated. And yeah, I think it's, so you took a, you took a homicide course in college? Yes. Uh, I took a narcotics course in college. Oh, that one sounded interesting. I did, oh, I did victimology and homicide, and they were interesting. I learned yeah. a lot. I did. Um, mine was a basically all about narcotics, and um, mm. whatever. I was taught by a guy of of SWAT. He was an officer, also SWAT team member. The prof- oh. the professor actually ended up being. He's now, I think, the chief of police for um uh dade county but like not the chief of the dade county police but like of the schools you know how the schools have their own like little police force oh yeah that's cool and so he i think is now like chief or something i don't know he's like some big top guy in police force world i don't know but anyway um he ended up being my professor and it was very interesting we learned about um different levels of narcotics, different levels of addiction, different how it's like crime related things. It was very interesting. I even interviewed my dad. 
Because uh, <laughs> those who know my dad know. <laughs> he, is, he is a a a son of the 60s. Yes. A son of the 60s and the 70s. So that's all I'm gonna say. So he was a great person to interview. But anyway, um yeah, I guess we 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 definitely have like very similar interests. I did, huh? Obviously. Oh. <laughs> so we're both here every week, you know. Yeah. Oh. But back on track, it is very sad. Um the so before we started the episode, I was telling you how I took like in my master's program, I took a course that was um it's called government and minority liberations and basically study the government's history with minorities with their mm-hmm. relationship with minorities um it's a very interesting course and a very good book and we had one um one chapter in the book in the textbook that was about indigenous communities and their relationship with the government and you every week you had to write an assignment based on what you read and based on that chapter and I decided to do like a comparative analysis on aboriginals how aboriginals were treated in Australia and are treated but how their treatment was uh when they were colonized compared to how uh indigenous members of the community were treated when the Americas were colonized here in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it is actually very, 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 very atrocious. And I think that that just leads into how we treat them today. Yep, it's it's horrible. Yeah, so we have a very, our government has a very poor relationship with indigenous communities and not maybe like every indigenous community ever, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's like smaller, yeah maybe there's communities where the police force there like respect them and help them out but for the most part they do a very poor job at all of that for sure no oh, it's horrible mm-hmm. um there was actually a study that was released by the seattle indian health board in 2018 that that particular report um documented more than 500 cases stretching back to the 40s Um, And it really did a good job in showing how many gaps there are in that crime data that I mentioned earlier. And just the underreporting of these crimes is just off the charts, basically. And something they mentioned was, you know, they, these, this population, they don't, they're not as included in the, I guess, statistics that policymakers use, you know, to try to address social issues. Mm. Um, So it's like, they don't have a voice. It's, that's just horrible. Um, and the report mentioned that a big reason that sometimes the, the statistics were kind of off was because police would misidentify victims as either white or Hispanic and not Native American. Um, and they usually don't document their tribal affiliation either. So where's the data, you know? Yeah. It's just a big misstep. Um, And then I just kind of browsed through a couple more articles and more than five out of five Native American and Alaskan Native women experience violence in their lifetime. That is a huge percentage. I mean, Mm -hmm. five, right? You're in a room with five, you know, four other women. Only one of you 
gets to avoid that, you know? I mean, that just, it doesn't even compute in my head. It's just horrible. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's one of those things where like you, I don't know. It's just like, it's crazy how, and a lot of times they go missing and they're not even marked as missing. Like they're not even labeled as missing. It's like, no, they just ran away. Like they're just fed up with their life. They ran away. And the people who know them best are like, um, no, they don't, but the cops don't listen. It's no, very of sad. Not. And then, so because they just assume it's a runaway, they don't report any of it. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of in those cases or, or no, they just, you know, they got into drugs and they had to get their fix. So they left like, no, why, why are you assuming something about someone you don't even know? Why don't, why don't you take the time, which is your job, by the way, <laughs> to try to investigate what's going on and try to bring them home. Like, isn't that the least, the least you have to do in your job? Yeah, you know, from what I understand, but no. So that's the really infuriating part. And um, I also read that the Urban Indian Health Institute found that murder is the third leading cause of death among this population of women. That's just, it's astounding to me that it's, that that's what happens, that people let it, you know, people get away with it all the time and, and nobody's doing a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many of those are like, domestic you know what I mean like a lot of those tend to be domestic too Mm -hmm. are these domestic cases being taken seriously because as we will know domestic cases can lead to very very tragic ends exactly and then you know who's doing what about it nothing Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just kept seeing these reports come up and there was another one in 2016 that showed 5,712 cases of missing Native women, but only 116 of those had been registered with the Department of Justice. I didn't even want to look at the percentage because it's really low. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was like, nope, this is horrible. I have to keep scrolling. Um, I'm going to get even more mad than I already am. So some of the good, you know, things that I noticed is more and more people are using social media, you know, and the internet obviously lets a lot of people speak up and share their opinion and bring more attention to this. And there's actually been a good amount of states in the U.S. that have started task force, uh, sorry, task forces. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One state, Minnesota, actually developed a task force to solely focus on investigating cold cases. So that's pretty good, you know, and Hopefully that'll lead them to finding more data and finding victims and reuniting, you know, victims with their loved ones. And that is one step, but obviously a lot more has to be done. Um, Another big issue that I kind of kept reading about is that it's also sometimes confusing to see who is responsible for investigating a murder or a disappearance. So, you know, is it law enforcement is it the tribe is it the state is it federal you know depending on where it happened which authority basically is responsible so imagine how much time that could take if the lines are a little blurred you know and the thing is is like so um they so tribal communities have their own um governing body right So like, if we look at Florida, Florida has a lot of, um, we've got plenty of tribes here. One of them that is like the most well-known is Miccosukee, right? Ardoa. And 
what is the other one? Seminal, right? Yeah. Seminal, which is, is the Seminal the hard rock? Or yeah, Seminal's a hard rock because Suki's another one. Okay. So we have the Seminal and we have Mikasuki and Seminole, and they both have their own governing bodies. Uh, I know this because I've applied to a job there. Um, and so when it comes to jurisdiction, it can get really sticky with even just police forces with their own police, with like a different police force from a different county. Then you add into the factor that they're indigenous and that's a completely different ball game because of the history that the indigenous communities have with non-indigenous members of the community is very, very delicate. Um, like it creates a very delicate, I don't even wanna say relationship, but like dynamic that depending on the person that you get, right? Like if you get this cop who's like, oh no, we have jurisdiction and he's a hard ass or whatever. And it's a member of their own community and their own tribe and they're not respecting the tribe. They're going to hit roadblocks in what they can and can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's going to be a lot of roadblocks between the tribal members because tribal members tend to be very um, not secluded, but due to their history, it's not like they're like, oh yeah, come on in, we're an open book. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a right to be very apprehensive yeah. Yeah. about what's going on and about who's entering and who's asking questions and all of that stuff, you know? So like even that, if if you even get past the fact that you are, you've been able to decide on, okay, yeah, you have jurisdiction, we don't, whatever. And let's say a, the county police force or whatever has the, or the district police force has jurisdiction and they start interrogating and they start doing things. Depending on how, what approach they take, it's either gonna help them or it's gonna completely stall. And that's assuming that they take an approach, right? Like that's assuming that yep. they even do anything about it. But then you have the relationship with, and then be, even before that, you have the, the whole like whose jurisdiction it is because I feel like indigenous communities and their governing body are going to want to take control because it's their own people, you know? Yeah. So it's like a very, very difficult dynamic, probably more so than, than, um, if it were one district count district police department and then another district police department, you know? Yeah. I think it's even a more difficult dynamic to like work through. Um, sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely tricky. Definitely yeah. tricky. And that delays in, you know, trying to find the victim and what happened and. Oh yeah. Just a chain reaction. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So that's one of the bigger problems that I kept reading about, which makes, you know, like you explained, it makes total sense. Um, I mean, I'm glad that people are bringing more attention to this. And I actually come across a lot of indigenous discussions on TikTok. I mean, I, I do TikTok when I'm bored. Um, so I love that people are being educated, you know. On their oh, no, TikTok is actually pretty. I know like TikTok is like, oh, TikTok, whatever. But no, 
<laughs> if you get on the right side of TikTok, oh, yeah. Yeah. you get like firsthand knowledge. Like I follow a couple of um, people that are Hawaiian and I don't mean Hawaiian like, oh, I was born in Hawaii and I'm a white girl. No, I mean, actual like Hawaiian descent, right? Um, and they are and did a part of their indigenous, the indigenous Hawaiian community. And they talk about how it is in Hawaii and like, and it's interesting because like us inland are like, oh yeah, let's just, let's go to Hawaii and have a vacation and it'll be so much fun. And they're like, no, don't come here. Like, you don't realize how much your tourism is ruining our livelihood. And you kind of learn like things like that. Like you learn how like inadvertently capitalist capitalism has caused you to completely want to go, you know, go travel somewhere, do something without even thinking twice about, oh shit, the cost of like living in a efficiency is astronomical. They have limited land, like we're taking over, you know what I mean? And you kind of learn that I've been learning that stuff through TikTok yeah, and like hearing actual members of the community explain why, like, this is what it's actually like, like not this is what it's like in Hawaii. So if you find the right people, if you find the right um, pages and stuff, TikTok is actually a very interesting place to at least begin hearing about it and then doing your own research about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm glad that when people post videos that are not appropriate, where they are, you know, doing things they don't understand, wearing pieces of clothing that they don't understand the meaning behind, mm-hmm. that there's people from the indigenous community that respond and they say, listen, what you're wearing actually represents this. You know, you wouldn't be wearing it if you knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad that internet allows you to do that. The social media lets them put their thoughts out there. And, you know, people are stupid and, they're going to post videos that they want to post, even if they shouldn't, but I'm glad that they, at least the community has that outlet to express what they think about it and why it's not okay. You know, and I've seen yeah. a couple of those. So I like those and I do follow some as well from the indigenous community. Um, but it's just an example of what people are doing to kind of fight back, which is really good. Yeah. 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 No, it is. It is. And I really do like it. I do like learning about it because mm-hmm. I feel like it's just very important yes. to, to learn about you know for sure and I mean all of this just you know it makes you upset because why who who was the one who decided look I mean it's a rhetorical question but I I'm worth more than you because that's not true like we all look different we all speak different languages we all come from different places and it doesn't oh. make you any more valuable than me or vice versa like, I'm not beneath you. You're not beneath me. I don't care where you live, where you're from, what you do for a living. It doesn't give me a right to say, well, I'm better than you or you to me. So I just don't understand how people are wired to think that way. I just don't get it. And as a society, it fucking sucks because you're taking this whole population and, and you think they're inferior to you. And that's not true. And they're not the only, obviously, minorities that you treat that way. You treat a lot of people that way why like what do you get out of it it's it's a whole rabbit hole of thoughts but it is it is and then it's one of those things where like yeah you just continue the more questions you ask the more questions go unanswered because like you're not going to get those answers because I think 
half the people who uh, half the people who think I don't necessarily I don't know how to phrase it, but basically half the people who are just closed-minded and think that because of XYZ they're better. Um, they're, you're never really going to get a true answer as to why they think that way because they don't think that they're wrong. Of course. No, um, yeah, I wouldn't even bother. So talking to a wall. It, it is a, a rabbit hole thoughts that you just might not even get answers to. For sure. It's just, you know, thoughts that you sometimes find yourself thinking about at night. Um, but nobody has the right to say that about anybody. So I'm like, where, you know, who made... Who made you the leader who thought you could say something like that about someone else? Because you're stupid. <laughs> like, uh-huh. go away. Go away with your bad thoughts. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, little by little, again, things get a little bit better and, and changes are made, like those task forces. And hopefully with a lot of more time, things will get a lot better. You know, a lot of things have to change in general. And little by little, you can at least make an impact. Um, but reading about all of this, I was like, look, let me see if I can find one or two specific cases of women who went missing or women who went murder, who were murdered, um, that don't have a lot of coverage. And I did find two, one example has a little bit more information on the website because one of the main articles that was written about her is written by someone from the indigenous community as well. There's another case I found that literally has like maybe two paragraphs and that's it, which was super, super upsetting. I couldn't find her anywhere else. And that, yeah. was, that was from like an official Utah. That one happened in Utah, but that was from, you know, their official police um, website. Yeah. So do you remember when I wanted to do a case similar, like a, an episode similar to this with like indigenous yeah. um, women and everything? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I haven't really died, like gone back into it is because um there literally is no information. Like it's literally like you could probably fit three missing persons cases of indigenous women in one episode. And it would be like 45 minutes long. Like it's, it's like mostly discussing it rather than discussing the cases because there's like very little to no information on a lot of these cases, you know? Yeah. I remember when you wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which just shows how little they actually research and actually like take their time. Officers take their time to like take these cases seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. And because like, how can you not have? And some of these are like really weird. Like they listed as homicide and everything. They haven't been able to find these women. It's like, mm, I wonder if this was a white woman how quickly you would be able to find evidence you know what I mean and set up a good case but (laughs) yeah like it's it's that doesn't surprise me that there's only like one paragraph or a couple paragraphs because that's Mm -hmm. literally what I came across so many articles were literally like a few paragraphs long with very little information right it's like basic facts and that's it it ends there it's unsolved you know the Uh end no, it was really bad. I mean, the first one I came across was about Angela McConnell. And it actually also involved her partner at the time when it happened, Michael Bingham. And they were both actually found dead in the woods on September 7, 2018 in Shasta Lake, California. I hope I said that right. 
Um, and I believe they were both shot. And her body, <coughs> Angela's body, was so disfigured that her mother actually wasn't allowed to identify her. I mean, it was that bad. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, you hear about a loved one that went missing, you don't know what happened to them. And then bam, you know, we found her in the woods, but you can't identify her because she's in such bad shape. I can't even imagine the trauma that her poor mom must have gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to identify her with fingerprints, thankfully. So they did find out her name, you know, and they were able to alert her family. Um, but she was only 26 at the time. I mean, younger than I am now. It's like her whole mm-hmm. life is ahead of her. What what is wrong with people? Um, so she was from indigenous descent and she was called Ang, A-N-G. I hope I said that right as well. And it's still unsolved. It's still unsolved. And I mean, this happened now. It's going to be, it's like three and a half years to this point, more or less. It's going to be four years in 2022 um, in September. And it's still unsolved. So how is that okay? Like, how is that okay? First of all, who would do it to her and Michael? I don't know. You know, the police apparently don't know anything. The main article that I read, the reporter kept calling the police department. They kept saying, no, it's a, you know, it's an active investigation. We can't share anything. We don't know anything. It's unsolved. We don't have anything. That was their whole response. And that's been the response for the past four years. So, you know, that's not okay. There was any, there was barely anything about her i found maybe two or three articles maximum but that was one no of that's not that that is not that's not acceptable that's not good that's no. like you should have some sort of i don't know i mean i know that there are there are, are situations where there is no evidence there is nothing right. but it's hard to with the evidence with the, the history that we have to like believe when officers say that oh yeah we've done everything we can Cause it's like in the past, have you really, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's hard because we don't know what cases they've worked on and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but history tells us that they're not, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of sucks. Cause you don't want to like say they're not doing anything, but how can you have someone that's, you know, goes through what they go through where they're, they're, dead they're found dead with a partner like it not not just her by herself right and there's nothing I don't know I just it's it's one of those things where you just kind of wonder like "Mm, is it because you're not looking or is it because like you've looked and there really is no information right it's hard to believe I agree with you on that like if you have a pattern of behavior and then the 10 times you're like no it's actually because I don't have any evidence I'll be like but the last nine times it's just because you didn't care so why should I believe you that this time you don't have evidence, you know? So I get that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, more needs to happen. There were people who went in, you know, in protest in California and they had signs by the road and, and you know, they try to bring attention to it, which is great. Um, trying to find justice for her and her family because they still don't know who did it. Why anyone would shoot her and her, her partner, Michael, is beyond me. Um, but there was barely anything about her, you know, just the, the facts about the case, what happened when, and, and that her partner was there and that was it. I know the second one I found was even shorter than that. Um, and it was the murder of Ermalinda Garza Sherman. 
And she was also found shot to death on the side of a road in St. George, Utah. So this is the one that I mentioned that I found the paragraph in an official investigative website. Um, but this one happened in 1991. That was before I was born. And it's still wow. unsolved. Yeah, it's still unsolved. I mean, hmm. when this happened, I wasn't born yet. You were a baby. You know? And they still don't know who did it or why. Huh. Right? Mm-hmm. So Is there any information? Like, what did they find? The only thing I read was her name, the date um, that it was in 91, Utah. And it just said that they found her. I believe it was, I don't know if it was like a, a deserted area or a desert area. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, could be a picture of both, but um, they found her by the side of a road. And yeah, she was just shot to death and, and they, they don't know who, they don't know why. They just know, I guess the cause of death was the, the gunshot wound. So huh. even less than Angela. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how easy it is. Like it has to be easy for like a serial killer of some kind to um, know that these women aren't being really taken care of or watched or like helped in any way if they, if they go missing and they just take advantage of that. The fact that they're just a very, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like at risk community, you know, and that they just aren't necessarily and I don't mean at risk because like they you know I, I don't mean it in a negative way I just mean like yeah because they're at risk of cops not paying attention to them historically that they know like oh it's so much easier to get away with murdering or raping or whatever it is these women and kidnapping these women because nobody's really going to care and they're not going to look into it as much as they would if it was a different community. Like, I wonder if a lot of these, especially like there's an area, I don't know if you found a specific area in your research, but there's actually a specific area that has very odd crimes, like a very high rate of um, missing Native American indigenous women. And um, I forget the name of the area. I'd have to look it up. I think I have it saved in one of these pins, but like, it's just one of those things where I wonder like, is there an active serial killer among there that knows that nobody's really paying attention to them? So they're just taking advantage of it. It could be. And again, I tell you, you need to watch Dexter New Blood because um, <laughs> that kind of ties into that theme. But probably I wouldn't be surprised who's to say that it wasn't one person or two uh -huh. responsible for hundreds of these deaths or maybe not hundreds but a good amount who's uh -huh. to say it wasn't and like you said they're a very vulnerable population because if something happens to them they're not going to get the same coverage as someone else being murdered or going uh -huh. missing as we've obviously covered in our channel as we've covered you know just discussing between you and me or just watching the news you could totally tell the difference in coverage in action, everything.
Some people get all the dogs, they get all the volunteers in the town, they get all the police officers on duty and off, and the other one gets maybe two and a dog. Uh-huh. We, we see it all the time, so I wouldn't be surprised either, and who's to say that it wasn't a serial killer? It could be, which is really sad, and it's very disappointing that, you know, society lets, lets this happen. So all we can do is do the little things we can, like we mentioned TikTok, social media, supporting those indigenous communities and and hopefully time will make it better but you know if that you really like live in an area of like indigenous communities if you live in an area with like with a high concentration like I personally don't um but you know if you live in an area especially if you're out in like New Mexico and Utah and all you know basically the four corners of the U.S., Um, then, yeah, like, be a part of that community. Like, watch out for those women. Like, if you happen to be in an area where you see something happening specifically with an Indigenous woman, like, be mindful. Like, Mm -hmm. ask for help if you feel comfortable. You know, like, just be willing to say something and just be very good. Like, just be vigilant. Pay attention. You yeah. see something that's not normal, especially in those communities, and you feel a little bit concerned, like go up to someone and like go up to that person. Like I've done it. I I went one time at to my with my mom. We went out to dinner one time, and um the there was a lady who was literally walking. She was so drunk, she was wasted, wasted. And she was like running into like the wall pretty much. Like she just kept bumping into the wall. And my mom was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't drive. I'm like, I can't leave. Like, we have to go tell her, like, at least try. And we did. And I knocked and my mom was like, are you sure? Like, what if she's not like, and I was like, no, no, no. She's like, she's just drunk. So like, I go up to her window and I knock on her door and I knock on her window. I go up to her car and knock on her window. And I, um, and she's like, hi, like, yeah, can I help you? Like, very, like, not like clearly wasted. whatever I tried to convince her not to drive my mom and I were like we'll drive you like we'll we'll, you know we'll take you where you need to go we'll at least follow you like you don't have to go in our car we'll we'll at least follow you to make sure you get there safely she's like no 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 and she refused to take our help and I was literally like just watching and unfortunately she had left because I was gonna secretly follow her um (laughs) of course just to make sure she she got home yeah she left she left before I could like get in my car and find her again she had left but like even if it's that and you like tried you know what I mean yeah but if you feel comfortable doing that then that's like one way especially if you live in that community that you can just keep an eye out keep an eye out Mm -hmm. because sometimes sometimes nobody's really watching you know exactly see something say something do something if you can obviously if it's safe to do so yeah if it's safe to do so yeah you don't want to put yourself in danger either no and that's the most we have in life is looking out for each other looking out for our loved ones and even strangers that need someone's help and they don't have anyone to turn to you could be that person to change their day you could be the person to get them to safety or at least call the people who can get that person to safety so like please say something and you know I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that this doesn't 
keep being such a horrible topic forever and and that more steps are taken by all over the world to protect you know indigenous communities and eventually it has to i hope it has to get better so yeah we'll do it hopefully you know let the new generation hopefully step up Mm -hmm. with all that and hopefully it improves yeah bring more justice and just more information to bring in more crime data all of that helps you know to try to save as many future victims as possible so we'll do our part but that was my case today or my theme I guess I should say so thank you guys so much for tuning in yes thank you everyone thanks Bonnie for your case of course Uh, enjoyed listening and learning um but yeah so sorry, by the way, for those that, if you can hear it, can you hear the cast? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was like, can you hear the cast? I can. Uh, and I know who it is. Yeah. It's all three of them. I have kittens guys. I found kittens at my job and I took them in <laughs> and uh, trying to get them rehomed and Bonnie might be taking one. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and but they're babies they're tiny they're like i think they're gonna be six weeks six weeks old this week but they're old enough to where like they want to be out and about and they hear my voice now they recognize my voice so they were sleeping from a lot of the podcast and then the more i talk the more i woke them up and now they just won't stop (laughs) and now they're like (laughs) let me out mom let me out but if I let them out now, I want to go to bed. It's I, I got work tomorrow. Exactly. So if I let them out now, like what am I gonna do? Bedtime <laughs> kittens. They're yeah, but they don't stop. They don't stop. They're they keep going. And now they paw. The, they stick their paws underneath the door and they start pawing at it. Clove and Elm do that. Oh my gosh. And they like they know. They know. They go. They put their little. Their little like faces to the cracks on the bottom and that's why it's louder sometimes sometimes it's not as loud because they know like well clove particularly gets very desperate and he um sticks his nose in between the crack on the bottom of the door and he starts meowing through there (laughs) oh they're so cute i might take one home you guys that is exciting uh i hope you do yeah. I feel like we will. I feel like we might. We just have to make the final decision, but it is very yeah. exciting. I hope you do. Um, you might take Chloe, who is very sweet and cuddly. Yes. And yeah. But they're all pretty sweet and cuddly right now. Like they've gotten very used to me. And so now they've all been pretty sweet and cuddly. That's good. I have to go up again very soon to keep bonding with them. <laughs> yeah I mean don't worry it's not gonna take very long to bond with Clove. Clove is the easiest one to bond with um the hardest one is Elm for sure but because he's a little bit more skittish but no these kittens are pretty easy I've taken care of like some pretty pretty mean cats and I've rehabilitated some pretty mean cats so not cats kittens let me be mm-hmm. very specific and these aren't these are young enough to wear they just got over it pretty quickly. But yeah. um yeah, they're there, they're meowing. They're they're not even meowing for food. They're just meowing so they can come and cuddle. 
I guarantee you, if I let them out, they're just going to chase me. And then once I get up back on the couch, they're just going to climb up my leg and just find my neck and just like right on my neck. Probably. Just like oh, it's great. Like, you know, animal therapy, just laying with them and having them purr. It feels so nice. It is. It is very nice. But anyway, enough of this kitty cat talk because <laughs> I could talk about cats forever because they're my favorite. I love baby kittens. So um, cool. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week. For yes. Episode. We will be back. So you guys have a great week. Bye. Everyone, bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of True Crime Scribe. All research, editing, and hosting is done by Danny and Kim on the Anchor platform. Remember that you can always find the sources we used in our episode descriptions. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at True Crime Scribe and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to send us any feedback you may have as we will read through those and love hearing from you. See you next episode.